0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Respero podcast, number 12. It's the week after Thanksgiving, and when you're a counselor, and it's the week after Thanksgiving, you know that you're probably going to hear some interesting stories, and possibly some painful stories, when you ask your clients that question of, how was your Thanksgiving? And sure enough, one of the stories I heard this week was... um, with a couple who I've been meeting with for a while. And this couple, I know their story, and I know that they had had a miscarriage about eight or nine months ago. Uh, They had not gotten pregnant uh, immediately when they started trying, so it was tremendously exciting to them and uh, wonderful news when the wife got pregnant, but then uh, they lost the baby. She miscarried, and, and that was so painful and sad and heartbreaking for them. But they started trying again, and they'd gotten pregnant again recently, and the wife was about six or seven weeks pregnant. But they had agreed together and promised each other that they would not tell anybody, anybody, this news about the pregnancy until they had gotten at least through the first trimester because there was the normal fear uh, that when you've had a miscarriage that it might happen again and just wanting to uh, wait to tell people on thanksgiving day they were with the husband's family and extended family, so a pretty large gathering, I guess. And the husband had a few glasses of wine and to his wife's great surprise, announced to the whole table, to everybody there, that she was pregnant. And this caught her completely off guard, caught her by surprise, and she's just stunned and felt betrayed, felt so hurt and angry, but couldn't show any of that in the moment or didn't feel like she could. She acted like um, it was all okay and let everybody be happy for them, which, you know, was a good thing. But later, of course, she was incredibly angry at her husband, rightfully so. And, and felt betrayed and had actually uh, left the home and was staying somewhere else and, and wasn't sure how long she was going to be gone. And as I talked to her, she's struggling with all of her emotions, but wanting to forgive him, wanting to, wanting to be okay with her husband but what did that mean? What what did that look like? She she was struggling to know if she had to forgive right away, or you know, feeling like she couldn't forgive. And what did that mean? Um, as a follower of Jesus, she she knows that she's supposed to forgive. But what did that actually look like? And this is a common conversation that I have with people around things that are daily just hurts and sins, or really big, painful past events. What does it mean to forgive? What does that look like? And that's what I want to talk about today, because we've, in our first 11 podcasts, we've talked about the kind of issues that that uh, I hear about in my counseling practice, the kind of issues that people are dealing with and that get in the way of great relationships we want to help people have great relationships and experience the joy the intimacy the fun the the laughter the um, wonder that comes in being truly close to somebody and being open and being yourself and being vulnerable and know that you're safe and know that the other person's not gonna hurt you. The kind of relationships we were created for, but that don't come naturally and don't come easily, but are possible in and with and through Jesus. That's what, that's what we believe. So being able to forgive and move forward is absolutely crucial for healthy relationships because there's no such thing as a relationship of any depth, any intimacy, any closeness, or any duration that does not experience conflict and hurt and people sinning against each other, people intentionally or not intentionally doing things that are really hurtful. So, what does forgiveness mean? What does forgiveness look like? What did Jesus say about it? What does the Bible teach about it? That's what I want to uh, talk about in this podcast. And of course, as always, in thirty minutes or so, we're just gonna we're just gonna begin the conversation and, and, and hit the highlights. As a as a young man, as a pastor, I first encountered this. Um, when I was working with adolescents and just had a couple of experiences with with teenagers that really brought this home, how important it was to get this right, forgiveness. Uh, How important it is for our souls and our relationship with God, uh, let alone being able to love well and move forward in in our closest relationships. I had a 15-year-old girl come to me I'm a young pastor just out of seminary. I think I know way more than I really know. My seminary education did not do a great job of preparing me for actually pastoring and shepherding people in their real lives, and their real struggles. And I thought I, you know, knew the answers. And then, and then I had a 15 year old girl come to me and, and tell me her story. She'd Uh, become a follower of Jesus only about six months ago, was so excited about it, was so alive in her faith, but also really struggling, really struggling on the inside because, as she told me, she had been sexually abused by her father from the age of probably around four until she was 14, until just about a year before um i had this conversation with her and and her dad um her dad was in jail at that time but incredibly um he was he was not going to be in jail that much longer i i forget honestly the the details but as she, as she came to me, she told me the story and she was like, you're my last chance. You're my last hope. I know that I'm supposed to forgive him because now I'm a Christian and we're supposed to forgive people the way God forgives us, but I can't do it. I, I pray and I say that I forgive him and I think that I really mean it, but then I'll have some memory or something will happen that will just make me think about it all again and I'll get so sad and I'll get angry and I'll feel guilty and she told me about how she would open her closet and see dresses and other pieces of clothing that her dad had bought her and and this is gross to as a reward or to bribe her to be sexually intimate with him just real, real bad stuff. I'll leave it at that. And she wanted to forgive him, but she would have these emotions. And so she would say, so I guess I haven't forgiven him. If I still feel this way, if I still, if I still so upset about it, that means I haven't forgiven him, but I have to forgive him. But I can't. And that was her dilemma. And uh, I realized that I didn't have all the answers, and I wasn't exactly sure what to say to her. And and so I had to really grapple with what I believed about this kind of situation, this kind of experience, and and what would healing look like, and what would forgiveness look like. And I've had so many, so many conversations over the years. Uh, and I, and I want to just use... Um, a few examples. I want to use the story about the, the husband and wife who, you know, the husband did that at Thanksgiving, told his family about the pregnancy when he wasn't supposed to. I want to talk use the story of this 15-year-old girl and one other story, a story of a couple who, uh, there had been an affair, the wife had had an affair, and the husband was struggling to forgive and could not forgive and kept holding it over the uh, the wife, and they had stayed together. That This had been a very short affair. Um, she had been starved for any kind of emotional affection or intimacy because her husband was a very distant, very cold man, which does not excuse the affair, of course. But she had met a guy who was kind and fun and She'd given in to the temptation to be sexually intimate with him, deeply regretted it. Uh, She confessed it to her husband, and and he had not forgiven her. And when they came and talked to me, it was over 20 years, over 20 years since the affair had happened. An affair of one month and 20 years later, He's still holding it against her, still bringing it up almost every day. Now, what would forgiveness look like in that situation? So that's the third story that I want to use to talk about forgiveness. And also, of course, look at just a couple of places in the Bible about what Jesus said and how Jesus illustrated forgiveness. And then one other story in the Old Testament that is a beautiful compelling picture of what forgiveness looks like, even though the word is never used in this story. First, I want to talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not equivalent to warm feelings. And we, there can be a lot of fuzzy thinking and misunderstanding around this. But this idea that if I have truly forgiven someone, then I will only feel nice things or have warm feelings toward that person, that is simply not true. That is not an accurate way to think about forgiveness. That's what the 15-year-old teenage girl was struggling with. If I've really forgiven, then I wouldn't feel angry. Then I wouldn't feel uh, all the sadness and grief. Then I wouldn't play out these fantasies in my mind of of what I want to say to my dad and telling him off but she's wrong you can be in a state of forgiveness and have all those emotions as a matter of fact we should expect that we that's going to be normal and natural things are going to trigger memories And the the emotions, the difficult emotions are going to be stirred up. They're going to come back. That does not mean that we have not forgiven or that we are not in a state of forgiveness. And forgiveness is also not equivalent to forgetting. Even though we use that phrase, it's important to understand that we can't forget. It's just not humanly possible, especially when someone that we love, that we're close to, has deeply hurt us, or we feel betrayed. We're not going to forget that, nor should we. Kurt Thompson, who's doing, I think, some of the best writing about uh, the conjunction of uh, neurophysiology and spirituality, in other words, how the brain really works, and spirituality. He he has written some very good stuff about how it's important actually to remember, not forget, uh, the things that have been hurtful or painful uh, in our relationships. And he has written about how it's actually important that we create new neural pathways by remembering and then bringing God into the picture and thinking new thoughts about how we want to be and how to how to interpret those events in in the light of of God's truth and God's grace and then being able to consciously choose to forgive in especially in the sense of how am i going to act and behave and offer relationship to the person who has hurt me i'm jumping ahead just a little bit but the point i want to make here is that Forgiveness is not equivalent to forgetting. It is also not equivalent to dismissing or minimizing or acting like it didn't happen or it wasn't that bad. That's kind of what the the woman uh, wants to do who's pregnant. Part of her wants to just go back to her husband and act like it didn't happen or it wasn't that bad. But that's not going to be emotionally possible for her or, or healthy for her. That's not going to help their relationship. They have a pattern of doing that. And both of their families, that's how both of their families handle conflict and, and hard stuff is just by kind of withdrawing for a while and then going back and acting like Nothing really is wrong or nothing ever happened. Very, very unhealthy emotionally and relationally to do that. Forgiving is also not condoning uh, what was done. By the way, forgiveness is not equivalent to reconciling. I can be in a state of forgiveness towards someone even though we, we may not be reconciled. I can be in a state of forgiveness towards someone even if they have never acknowledged their wrongdoing towards me, even if they haven't apologized or admitted that what they did was wrong or or hurt me. I can choose to be in a state of forgiveness. Forgiveness also is not equivalent to having no boundaries or consequences. Like with that 15-year-old girl, there is no way she should have any contact with her dad. I mean, that. It's so obvious, but she actually was struggling with whether she should contact him if forgiveness meant that she should offer relationship to him again. And in that case, she would need, wow, such a long period of time where there was substantial evidence of just significant, huge change on his part before it would ever be wise or safe for her to be around him again. So forgiveness does not mean that I can't have boundaries or that there, there shouldn't be consequences for people's choices. And that's part of what's so confusing and hard for people and uh, makes them feel like I'm, I'm not forgiving somebody because I'm still um, wanting to you know, be separated or you know, have a consequence for what they did. All right, so just just wanted to say a few things about what forgiveness is not. And now I want to look at a story that Jesus told to give us uh, a clear idea of what forgiveness really is. Uh, In the the Gospel of Matthew, and and this is the only place in any of the Gospels where um, we have this story, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is talking about, uh, with his disciples, with his small group that he has been with and been teaching and living with, basically, and he's talking to them about how to handle it when you're hurt by somebody, when somebody sins against you, and he talks about how you go directly to that person, you don't go talking to everybody else about it behind uh, their back, you go and you directly confront and address what they did, and, and then depending on their response, he talks about you know, what, you can, what you do uh, after that. And then it says that Peter came up to him and said, well, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? So Peter wants to know <laughs> what his obligation is, and he's kind of looking for an out, it sounds like. And by the way, in the, in, in the rabbinic teaching of the day, evidently um, the, 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 the common teaching was that you forgave somebody up to three times. So after three times, you didn't have to forgive them anymore. So Peter may possibly have been thinking he's sounding really spiritual by saying seven times. But Jesus' response to him is, I tell you, Peter, not not seven times, but 77 times. Or possibly it should be translated 70 times seven, which, you know, 490 times. But either way, it doesn't matter because Jesus is making the point that you don't keep track. Jesus is making the point, back to Peter, that if if you're keeping score, if you're keeping track of how many times it's happened, then you're missing the point. And he tells a story. He tells a story to illustrate what forgiveness is like, how the Father has forgiven us, and how important it is that we embrace that and then pass that same kind of forgiveness on to other people. I'm just <clears throat> I'm going to summarize the story. But he says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his subjects. And so one of the people that came to him was a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Now that's a huge amount of money. That's millions of dollars in our currency. And again, Jesus' point is that this is an enormous debt that the man can never hope to repay. So this man comes to him and the king initially says that uh, the the servant, the servant's wife, the servant's children would all be sold uh, and become slaves in order to repay the debt that the king would get back some of his money by selling this whole family. But this, this man, the servant fell on his knees before the king and said, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Uh, Somehow, you know, the servant's appealing to the king on the basis of, if you just give me more time, I'll be able to pay you back. Give me an extension. Give me a second chance. Give me more time. In reality, the guy had no prospect of ever being able to repay that enormous debt. But as Jesus tells this story, the, the king... Here's the servant, and is, and it says took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Did way more than the servant was actually asking for. Canceled the debt, wiped it out, said you don't owe me anything. We're good. Which is this incredibly gracious, incredibly lavish act of... Forgiveness, that it's actually canceling the entire debt. But when that servant went out, I mean, he had to be like enormously relieved and incredibly happy. And yet, Jesus says, as he's telling the story, that this guy goes out and he comes across a guy who owes him a hundred denarii. Now, that's a few bucks, that's five dollars. Now, he's just been forgiven millions of dollars, and he sees somebody that owes him $5. Now, you would think that the guy would say, $5, it's nothing. Hey, don't worry about it, you know, in light of what's just happened to him. But instead, he begins to grab this guy and choke him, the guy that owes him $5, and say, pay back what you owe me. And and this guy begs him to be, hey, wait, be patient, I'll pay you back, exactly the same thing the servant had done with the king. But he refused. And he had this guy thrown into prison until he could pay him back this very, very, very small debt. And word gets back to the king about this. And the king is, is angry and says, you wicked servant, I canceled that enormous debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And so the servant now, he has to go to jail himself. And Jesus finishes this story by saying, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And there are a couple places in the New Testament where we have that kind of a statement and that, that alone should make us understand how important it is that we get forgiveness right in our relationships. And Jesus' main point here is that uh, our father... God offers us um, complete, total forgiveness. And and the core essence of that is is canceling a debt. This This is the core of what forgiveness means in the New Testament, that there is a debt that is canceled, that I don't have to pay back that that's what God's forgiveness towards me means, that uh, I, I do not have to somehow earn or pay back for all the things I have done that were uh, wrong, that were a failure of love on my part, that were a failure of faith and trust in God, the, th- the sins that I have committed, that have created a debt, But now... That debt has been canceled. And, and so I am free. But then I am supposed to pass that on to other people. And, and if I don't, I think uh, what Jesus is really saying here is that if I don't pass that grace, that forgiveness, that, that on to other people who have hurt me, then I have not really understood Or grasped or appreciated the forgiveness that God has offered to me, has given to me. And so um, this is absolutely crucial in our spiritual life and in our relationships. So what forgiveness is, is canceling a debt. It is a choice to not make the other person pay back. It is a choice to not punish the other person, to not retaliate, to not seek revenge. And the scriptures say this over and over again. In the New Testament, we have phrases like, do not pay back evil for evil. Do not return insult for insult. Places where it talks about leaving revenge in God's hands. And these kind of these kind of ideas and phrases help us understand that forgiveness means that I am choosing to not punish the other person. That my motive, as I relate to them, is not to make them pay back for what they did to me. is not to hurt them in return for the hurt and the wrong they've done to me. And forgiveness is an ongoing state, not a one-time event. That is so important to realize. That forgiveness is a choice that I'm, I'm making uh, over and over, basically every day, to not make the other person pay me back for what they did to me. That that is not my motive. That is not my goal in relationship to them. There's a, uh, a story that John Ortberg tells about uh, an experience that he had. His daughter was graduating from college at Azusa Pacific University down in Southern California, and he was uh, invited to be the commencement speaker for the graduation ceremony, and he and his wife, uh, Nancy, were invited just before the commencement ceremony into a, into a room with the president of the university and some... Uh, board members and alumni, and three seniors who were graduating. And these three seniors were all um, invited to share their plans for the future and what they were going to do after they, uh, you know, had left Azusa Pacific. And they were all pretty inspiring stories, evidently, about uh, how they were going to be serving others. And so the president then uh, faced these three students and told them the real reason why they'd have been invited into the room. He said to them, somebody you don't know has heard about what you're doing and has given a gift so you would be able to serve without impediment. Then he turned to the first student and looked her in the eye and said, you have been forgiven your debt of $105,000. And the whole room gasped and the student began to cry. And then he turned to the next student and in this dramatic moment says to this guy, you've been forgiven your debt of $70,000. And that guy just starts to cry. And then he turned to the third student and the president of the university said, you have been forgiven your debt of $130,000. And... I love that story because it's, that is forgiveness canceling a debt. I also love that story because my daughter is graduating from Azusa Pacific in about two weeks, and I sure hope they, they're still doing that, and I sure hope she gets invited into that room, but uh, I, <laughs> I don't expect that, but um, I love that story. Forgiveness is canceling a debt, is not making the other person pay you back. What might that mean in our real-life relationships and situations? And there's no one answer for every situation. It's basically about the motive of my heart as I'm relating to that person. So, okay. Uh the wife whose husband stood up at Thanksgiving and and told the family that she was pregnant. And she's so angry at him for doing that. What does forgiveness look like? It means, I think, that she's able to express to him how hurtful that was, that that she's clear and open and direct and what you did was not okay and I can't act like it was okay. I can't act like I'm not hurt by that, and it's not my goal to punish you. It's not my goal to somehow, you know, make you uh, pay back for what you did. But I need I need some space. Uh, I I need to just have a period of time. So I'm going to take, you know, two weeks away. Um, I'll talk to you every day. And to be willing to do that, and then it depends on how the hus- husband responds. If the husband is genuinely like repentant and acknowledges what he did, and that will go a long way. And, and I think if there's genuine, a sense of genuine like, I know that I did that. I acknowledge that it was wrong. It was hurtful. It was breaking a promise. And I'm I'm genuinely sorry for what I did. It was wrong. And I know I hurt you. Then that allows for reconciliation and restoration. So, so much of what forgiveness looks like depends on, on how, you know, the other person responds too, but the motive of my heart cannot be to make them pay. So it would be easy for her to be very, very, um, you know, unkind to talk about her husband to all kinds of people about how, what he had done and I mean, it's okay for her to talk, by the way, to a few safe people who will keep that in confidence. Not okay for her to, um, you know, just rip him to all kinds of people who, you know, might, that might not be very safe. That would be actually an act of kind of vengeance or wanting him to be hurt by what he's done. So for her to have keep her heart open to relationship with her husband, as long as there's not their desire on his part to minimize or act like it hadn't happened, or if he's if he's not acknowledging that what he did was wrong or really painful to her, then I think, you know it's it's just impossible for her to to offer the kind of relationship of, of closeness, um, because he's forfeited that right for a while. With the 15-year-old girl, just helping her understand that forgiveness is just about the state of her heart and being able to pray for her dad. And by the way, I think that's kind of a key ingredient of forgiveness. Am I able to pray for the other person And be honest about my emotions. And even like, you know, sometimes it's like, Lord, I don't want to forgive him. But I want to want to forgive him. And so will you please, you know, bring people and influences into his life that will remind him of your love and grace so that he will fully understand what he's done and he will seek forgiveness from you. That for her it was really about just maintaining that boundary. Uh, there were some things that were important for her to do: get rid of all the clothes that her dad had bought her, and and basically separate her life from his. That, but in her heart, to not wish him dead, to not wish him ill, to not to not do anything that would be about revenge. Revenge is the opposite of forgiveness. And what about with the, the husband who's still bringing up the affair that his wife had over 20 years later? He is choosing to hurt her. He wants to punish her. He wants to make her feel badly. He wants to hold it over her and use it as emotional blackmail. And that is the opposite of forgiveness. And so I talked about with that couple that forgiveness would mean he does not bring it up. He does not use it as emotional blackmail. That he is willing to uh, offer relationship to his wife as though that had not happened because she was fully repentant. And that, that his continuing to bring it up was a sign of his lack of forgiveness towards her and that it was not okay. And he was not owed uh, that. And frankly, uh, in this case, that's not something he was willing to do and that marriage ended not... Um, not making it. They, they ended up getting a divorce uh, because there simply could not be uh, a, a, a real marriage there because he could not forgive. And therefore, I mean, he, he, there were more things going on than what I'm, I'm talking about here, but he was really cruel, really cruel to her. So someone who holds grudges is not in a state of forgiveness someone who who continues to punish and make the other person pay for what they've done is doing exactly what that servant did in Jesus' story. We have been forgiven much, and yet we are not willing to forgive somebody else. We've been forgiven completely by God, and yet we go and shake the other person by the shoulders and choke them and make them pay us back or else that is not forgiveness let me let me just finish with a story out of the old testament it's in the book of genesis at the very end of the book of genesis it's a you know well-known story joseph and his brothers joseph is uh one of a big family um A lot of brothers, 12 or 13 brothers, and uh, I don't know how many sisters, at least one, we're told. And Joseph as a young man is um, his dad's favorite. Jacob, his father, has given him this coat of many colors, just probably one of many things that Jacob did to make it pretty clear to all the boys that Joseph is my favorite, and that is not a good idea, parents. So his brothers resented him, and Joseph was an arrogant young man and immature and didn't know how to handle that very well, so he rubbed his brothers the wrong way, and they, what they did was they wanted to kill him. They were going to kill him, but at the last minute, one of the brothers intervened, and they, they sold him into slavery, and he ends up in, as a slave down in Egypt. So you have this family where this horrible, horrible act has been committed of brothers selling uh, one of their brothers into slavery, and then they go and lie about it to their dad, and they show him, you know, Joseph's coat. It's got blood on it that they've put on it. Oh, Joseph must have been attacked by and eaten by killed by a wild animal. So they deceive their father, um, this cruel, um, enormous deceit that they all had to keep up for years. And that, ha- that eats away at your soul when you do that. So 20 years later, the story of how, we're told in Genesis of how Joseph, of course, has become uh, the prime minister of Egypt, And basically just about the most powerful man in the world. And there's a, uh, and I can't go into that story if you're not not familiar with it. Read in, in Genesis from about chapter 38 on. And so there's a famine and Joseph's brothers go down to Egypt from Israel because they need food. And Egypt has food and Joseph recognizes his brothers. They don't recognize him but he recognizes his brothers, and he tests them first. He tests them to see if they've changed, what they're like now, and they essentially pass this test, and then in this incredibly dramatic moment, he reveals themselves to him. I am Joseph, and they have this reunion, and Jacob, the father, is still alive, and he comes down to Egypt, and he has this reunion with his son who um, he thought for over 20 years was dead. And we don't exactly know if jo- if Jacob, the dad, ever heard the full story. We don't know if Joseph and the brothers ever, like, you know, told him. How did you end up down here, Joseph? You know, and uh, probably, you know, probably um Joseph told Jacob, or they, you know, Jacob heard the full story. And that had to be painful. The brothers have lived with that for 20 years. But now there's reconciliation. Now there's uh, family reunion. They're together in Egypt. And then after a while, Jacob dies. He's a very old man. He dies. And at the very end of Genesis, we, we have this story of how the brothers are now scared about what Joseph is going to do to them now that their father. And it it says in Genesis chapter 50 uh, that the brothers, it says when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? They're scared. Uh, what if Joseph, you know, has only been holding out because of Dad, and now that Dad's dead, he's gonna let us have it. He's gonna make us pay. So let's do this. Uh, you know, they all kind of collude in deciding that they would tell Joseph um, that, and, and so they sent word to Joseph saying, "Your brother, your father, sorry, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph." I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, we don't think that Jacob ever actually said that. They're lying here. They're reverting to this deceit because they're scared. Uh Uh-oh, Joseph might let us have it, so let's do this. Let's say, uh, Dad said, you know, please forgive us and don't punish us for what we did to you. And and Joseph gets this message, and, and, and he has the brothers come before him, and he's, he's really sad. Uh, when the mess, when their message came to him, it says Joseph wept, and I think he's I think he's sad. I think he just really like wow they just don't get it. They don't believe that that I'm forgiven them. And they're still going back to that kind of stuff, that kind of behavior, deceitfulness. Wow, I thought we were past that in our family because look where that got us. And, and he's, he's sad. And what he says to them when they come before him, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended uh, to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's now being done. So then don't be afraid. I'm not going to punish you. I'm not going to take revenge. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. And that is forgiveness. He did not hold a grudge. He did not minimize, though, or deny what they had done or act like it was all okay. And he did He did not just indiscriminately, uh, like, oh, wow, I'm so glad to see you, and act like it had never happened. He tested their character. In some ways they did okay, and in some ways they didn't, but he he chose not to make them pay back for what they had done to him, and that is forgiveness. And we are told in the scriptures to forgive one another as God has forgiven us, and that that is for our own benefit as much as for the other person's because the failure to forgive eats at our souls as someone has said the only thing that costs more than forgiving is not forgiving uh, Anne Lamott the writer has said not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die it only, when we choose not to forgive it, it, it hurts us. So, forgiveness. Crucial for healthy relationships, crucial for, crucial for healthy lives, and spiritual lives and relationship with God. I'm still learning this, working on this. It's a daily choice. Uh, God has forgiven us. And that gives us the example, the strength, the wherewithal, the courage, the faith to forgive others and not demand uh, revenge, not make the other person pay for what they did to us. We can let go of it. We really can. Because ultimately, God is the one who judges. God is the one who, who will do what is best for the other person. And that's why forgiveness is an act of faith on our part. Forgiveness involves waiting. Waiting is part of Advent this Christmas season. And that's what I want to talk about in the next podcast in a few days. Uh, But remember to forgive. If, if you find this, this podcast has been longer than any of the other ones. Uh, forgiveness is a difficult subject to talk about uh, briefly. So if you have questions about it or questions about your own situation, feel free to leave a comment or email me on our website, rispero.org. uh, On the contact page, you can, you can send me a message or you can just email me at joe at rispero.org dot org. If uh, you've been encouraged by this or helped by this, pass the word along to other people. Leave us a review on iTunes. That would be helpful. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. We are whole and forgiven and free to live great lives, have great relationships because of Jesus. Thank you.